Welcome to episode 177 of the MCU Fan Show. My name is Sean Gerber. In just a bit, I will be joined by Paul Herman, and we will be continuing our coverage of Disney Investor Day 2020. Earlier this week, we shared our breakdown of the second official trailer for WandaVision. In this episode, you will hear our thoughts on the first look at the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And as this series goes on, as we continue our coverage of Disney Investor Day 2020, you are going to hear our thoughts on the first look at Loki. We're going to be talking about the What If trailer. We're going to be talking about the Miss Marvel sizzle reel that they showed during the investor presentation and all of the announcements, Armor Wars, Secret Invasion, Ironheart. We're going to be discussing all of it in detail. And it was really just too much, as I said before, back in episode 176, way too much to cover in one episode. So we're going to go ahead and we are going to take our time. But before I get to the conversation Paul and I had about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, there is already additional news as it pertains to Marvel Studios on Disney+. Plus. I thought after Disney Investor Day that it was over. We weren't going to get any other updates, at least through the end of the year. But we got a little one today, and that is Marvel Studios Legends. So on the Disney Plus schedule for January is a brand new series, and they announced it on Marvel Studios social media channels. Here is Marvel Studios Legends, or here is the synopsis for the show Marvel Studios Legends serves as an exciting refresher for the various heroes and villains making their way to the highly anticipated streaming shows premiering on Disney+, setting the stage for the upcoming adventures. The first two episodes will feature Wanda Maximoff and Vision. So the timing is obvious enough. These first two episodes are going to get everybody ready for WandaVision. And on the Disney Plus schedule for January, these are the only installments of Marvel Studios Legends. These two episodes that are premiering on January 8th, there's nothing else in the schedule for January. So presumably, since the synopsis says this is about uh, providing a refresher for the highly anticipated streaming shows, then we're going to get these in advance of every new Disney Plus series, at least a Disney Plus series that features a pre-established character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we're probably going to get at least two episodes in March featuring Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes. We'll probably have another one in May for Loki. And I'm not sure if we'll get any of these for What If, although it would be a bad idea to have a Peggy Carter Marvel Studios Legends episode in advance of What If, since one of the episodes is going to be Captain Carter. And there can certainly be more than that, just depending on all the various characters we will see in What If. And then I'm sure we'll get one of these for Clint Barton, a.k.a. Hawkeye. I don't know if we'll have these for a character like Miss Marvel, who hasn't already been established in the MCU. There's no real iconic moments to go through for that character. But maybe there's another way that they could do it if it's just based on maybe some comic book 101 stuff for Miss Marvel. Although you can get some of that if you're watching Marvel's 616, which is currently available on Disney+. Anyway, unpaid advertising aside... I really like the sound of this Marvel Studios Legends series. I think this is a cool idea, and I think it serves multiple functions. I mean, I hope it's presented in a really cool and fun way that is interesting and engaging, even for those of us who've seen these high points for these characters that we have seen the biggest and most iconic moments for Wanda Maximoff and Vision, and we've seen the film so many times that we know these moments by heart. Hopefully the presentation, the format of the show is original or feels fresh enough that we're still entertained by it, I think we're going to be, because if nothing else, you could just replay these moments, and I know I would enjoy seeing them again and again and again, but I think it's pretty clear that the primary objective of this series is to allow people a chance to 
get caught up, either because maybe they haven't seen all of these films. I mean, contrary to what you might think after Avengers Endgame and how wildly popular that movie was, not every Disney Plus subscriber has seen Avengers Endgame. And even the Disney Plus subscribers who have seen Avengers Endgame, maybe they haven't all been fully caught up on the entirety of the Infinity Saga, so maybe they don't know everything about Wanda Maximoff and Vision. Or even if they saw all of the films, doesn't mean they remember everything. So I think this is a really good idea, and the idea just gets better as time goes on, as the MCU gets bigger and bigger, as it's clearly going to, based on the sheer number of projects that have been announced. It's a really good idea to have something like this to just help everybody get caught up or stay caught up in everything that's going on in the MCU. And I don't really think that Disney should limit this. I mean, right now in the synopsis, it says that it's a refresher for various heroes and villains making their way to highly anticipated streaming shows. But I think this could serve a really great function for movies as well. I mean, it wouldn't be such a bad idea to have a Marvel Studios Legends episode dedicated to Natasha Romanoff in time for Black Widow, which maybe ends up being on Disney Plus anyway. You know, right now it looks like it's headed for theaters only, but we don't really know what everything's going to look like by the time we get to May 7th or we get close enough to May 7th to figure out what is Disney actually going to do with the with that film. But either way, it just seems like a really good idea, even if Black Widow is going to be exclusive in theaters and we get to other films like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness or Thor Love and Thunder, this seems like a really good idea to allow some of that core fan base and even beyond that, a little bit of a broader fan base within Disney Plus subscribers to get caught up and be ready to have this little primer for whatever the next chapter is of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I really like this idea and hopefully it's just a sign of other things that are going to be on the way with Marvel Studios on Disney+. Plus, I'm hoping that the Marvel Studios series get the Disney Gallery treatment like The Mandalorian did, but I think with all that Marvel Studios is doing with having these scripted event series, all of that is great, and that's definitely the biggest stuff that they can do, and the most exciting things that they can do is tell new stories in the MCU, but I think for a lot of us, our interest goes beyond just the stories as they're being told to us. It's how it all happened, the why behind some of the decisions that were that were made, and just having the breakdown, the insight, the analysis. And I think anything that can provide that on Disney Plus is a really good idea just to expand our knowledge of these characters and how they've been brought to screen. And a lot of that stuff is relatively inexpensive to produce compared to a big budget event series. So Marvel Studios Legends, I know it's the typical fan thing to hear about a new thing and then say, well, wouldn't it be great if they also did all these other things? So I guess I should just put away my greed for now and just appreciate this Marvel Studios Legends series, even though it's only going to be just two episodes to start on January 8th. It's the perfect two episodes to get everybody ready and get everybody caught up on Wanda Maximoff and Vision as we get ready to watch WandaVision just one week after on January 15th. So I love the sound of Marvel Studios Legends and also just hope that uh, it's only the beginning of many more things that we will see from Marvel Studios on that Disney streaming platform. And speaking of Disney+, Plus, here's the conversation that Paul and I had about our first look at the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. All right, Paul, we have our first look besides the Super Bowl spot from almost a year ago, but we have our first extended look at the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which we now know is going to be on Disney+, Plus March 19th of 2021, so it's just a few months away. 
And I'm really interested to get your thoughts on, I mean, I'm always interested to get your thoughts on any MCU content that we get. But thank you. I'm particularly interested in this one because of yes. you and because of what you've said before and just how much and where this one ranks as far as being kind mm-hmm. of your most anticipated of the Marvel Studios Disney Plus series. Yes, and this sir. was supposed to be the first Marvel Studios Disney Plus series and then stuff happens yes. and, and now it's going to be the second. But regardless yeah. of the order, who cares? We're going to get the yeah. series. And mm-hmm. so I know that your anticipation level for this particular series, not just in the general, we're always excited about the MCU sense, but these these right. characters, this story, some of the places where you think it could be headed, and now you finally had a look at it. So what's your impression now based on this trailer? Man, I am so freaking excited for this shit. I'm glad you I'm glad you liked it, because you know, again, I for people who don't know, because maybe this is your first time listening to MCU maybe. Fan Show, I try not to get my own spoilers on what Paul's thoughts are going to be, <laughs> and, he, and he doesn't give them up on Twitter anyway. Nope. So nope. Um, yeah, I'm, but I'm, I'm really glad you like this one. No, no, this was, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's hard. Well, that's not true. I, I, I have criticized a lot of MCU trailers. So I'll, I'll shut up there. No, this <laughs> one was, this one was perfect. I felt. Um, those who know, I'm I'm a big, 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 big fan of these characters as far as in the MCU and in the comics for the most part. Um, Falcon was never one of my favorite characters growing up, but the MCU definitely has enhanced that character for me, especially with uh, his him becoming Captain America. Um, I've always been since his uh, conception uh, back in the in the early 2000s, uh, Winter Soldier. I freaking love Bucky Barnes and. I've always had an affection for the sidekick, you know, coming back and everything. So, and then also, obviously, I'm a huge Baron Zemo fan. So, knowing all those things were going to be in the series, just what, you know, ha- not only that, but freaking US agent John Walker's coming. Hell yeah, dude. Like, this is, this is a Marvel zombie, like, 80s kid wet dream right here, basically, essentially. So, uh, yeah, this was a big deal for me. I mean, WandaVision's cool and I'm really, I'm really excited we're getting it. I, I've, I've been praising it, but this is like, if WandaVision's kind of like the, um, how, how what's a good analogy? Uh, the, the dinner you don't really get or not really used to, and you're trying something new and you're kind of, you're interested in it, but you're not really sure what to expect, but you've heard good things or whatever. You go to the restaurant and you're, it's good, assuming it's good. Right. But then, you, but then let's say. Yeah. Falcon no. Winter Soldier Falcon Winter is your favorite restaurant. Yeah, yeah. It, it's basically going to like my favorite restaurant in Seattle, Gordito's, and just getting my steak quesadilla with guac on the side and just, you know, and their amazing salsa and just going at it and being like, this is incredible. And that's exactly what this trailer was for me. It's it's It was my favorite restaurant. It's exactly what I want. It's maybe basic, but you know what? It's amazing. And I'll, I'll eat it up every time. And so this trailer just get, gives you – I think, first of all, the real sense of, of of the absence of Captain America. And I think that to me is important because Captain America to me has always been he's always been a favorite of mine, but he's never been like an ultimate favorite where he was, you know, top five of my of all time. But he's it's like if you like the Marvel comic books and Marvel Universe specifically, it's you have to like Captain America. I, I think I've, I've gone on record saying he's basically the Superman of the Marvel universe, but he's not as the the popular as Superman, obviously, or iconic. I mean, he's becoming like more iconic, obviously, but, but this is back in the day, but you know, growing up reading comic books, you just, if you're a Marvel zombie, you had to love Captain America, regardless if you bought his comic monthly or whatever, 
he's just a great character. He is the leader of the Marvel universe as far as I'm concerned. And so knowing in every comic I read with him, I always loved him in the comic book. So knowing all that and knowing and then seeing obviously his huge role in the MCU and his amazing, uh, I think, and I would, I'll say ending in uh, Endgame that his absence should be felt. And it should be the focus. And we knew it was going to be the focus, but it was it, the right way, though. Not just in a, we got to take off the mantle, you know, <laughs> kind of a thing. But but that's, yeah. not what, that's not what we're getting here. And that's evident. And that there's, and we'll get into a little bit more here in a second. Um, we're just doing general thoughts. But just the general idea that the absence of Captain America is is important because what he represents and not just because he represents America, because obviously for one MCU spans past America, well, 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 well past America, but it's what the American idea represents and what Captain America represented as far as, you know, sticking up for what's right and what you believe in and fighting for what you believe in. That's what Steve Rogers, I should say, you know, that's what to me is what he represents. And, fighting for what you believe in up, you know, until you, you know, your last dying breath, you know, I can do this all day, et cetera. So you get that tone right away. And I think that that is so crucial to me. And that's the, obviously the spirit of the series and what's going to be driving these characters and having them not just take up that mantle, but I think take up the idea. I think that to me is more important is the idea of what cap represents. And you have, the the someone who has connected to him, I think, in a family sense, as far as his best friend and then his new best friend in Sam Wilson and how they are so different and how they also represent different aspects of American culture, obviously, too, because, you know, you know, Bucky grew up in World War Two and Sam is, you know, current and how those different, you know, they, these two guys don't get along necessarily all the time. And you see that. And I think it's so great to see um, this dynamic on screen again. Cause I, I love that in winter soldier, what we or excuse me, uh, civil war that we got, you, it, they had a great chemistry and I think, and it was a conflicted chemistry. And I think it's great. We're getting that still in the series and it's evident, even though it's played for last, it's obviously going to be played for, you know, serious tones too. And, I'm, and that's the stuff I'm looking forward to because I, I think in my head, even though you have the nod to Bucky to Falcon when getting the shield, there's going to be more to it than just that. Like I think Bucky was like, okay, Cap's giving the shield, you know, you, you got to do it. But even after that, Steve's gone, Bucky's going to have issues still because that's just how Bucky is, and he's conflicted too. And I'm really excited to see that played out on the screen with these two great actors together, and. Um, yeah, just kind of over. I have a lot more to say as far as the story goes, so I'll save that for let you go. But yeah, I this was just everything. It's it, it was everything I wanted to see in a trailer without giving me barely anything at all because we know we're gonna get a lot more in this. There's a lot to chew on with this series, so yeah, I'm extremely excited about this. I was beyond impressed by this trailer, yes. and I understand that people might be beyond bored with me being beyond impressed by Marvel trailers. I get it. But when I talked about, uh, when we were talking about the, our overall impressions and we were talking about the WandaVision trailer and, and I was saying how these series don't seem to be missing a beat from the films. This was such a huge part of that. This looks like a Marvel movie. 
And Feige even called it that. I mean, he said it's a Marvel Studios movie told over six episodes. That's what this looks like. This looks so huge. The scale of this, like WandaVision looks really weird and bonkers and fun, but because it's playing so much in the sitcom space, it also does have a TV look to it, which it should. It's appropriate for that story. But WandaVision isn't, at least not on the level that this seems to be, that proof of concept of we can make, we can achieve the scale and scope of MCU films in these Disney Plus series. The Falcon Winter Soldier trailer really shows that they can do that. And I was just, this looks so big, so epic, so cinematic. I mean, the shots of Falcon just flying through those cliffs or that canyon or whatever, it's just incredible. And some of the other action sequences that we're seeing on top of the train, like going for the truck, like there's just so many things where this looks as just every bit as big as it should. And I am so thrilled just to see that. And I can't wait to watch every single episode. I mean, again, March 19th, like we're going to get six weeks of WandaVision and then really not that long of a break before we get six weeks of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And so all of that just looks, and that's my, one of my biggest impressions or my biggest takeaways from this trailer was that they're not missing a beat going from theaters to Disney Plus with these series uh, based on this trailer. But then when we talk about the most important stuff to me is always the character stuff because it can be big, it can be epic, but if you don't care, then it's not really gonna it's not really gonna take hold and it's not gonna resonate in the way that it should. And so it's really about the experiences of these characters. And they open this trailer in the perfect possible way with just this, yeah. This is the weight of Cap's legacy. And what do we get? All of Cap's legacy just right there in front of Sam Wilson. All these, you know, Captain America photos and posters and then his costume from the first Avengers film. And so and and we see the shield and Sam even saying the legacy of that shield is complicated. And that tells you everything you need to know as far as where Sam is and why he's not immediately Captain America in this film. But then also Bucky telling him that people need something to get behind. They need the symbol. And that's going to be such a huge part of the, I think that's the emotional core of this series, certainly as it relates to Sam Wilson, is there's the burden of Captain America's legacy, but there's also, as we saw with Sam Wilson being Captain America uh, Captain America in the comic books, is there some question as to what exactly that represents? What, is, what does it mean to be Captain America? And is that really a symbol that Sam Wilson wants to get behind because America as a country, historically, the ideals that people say are American and that make us feel the best about being American are not ideals that are upheld across, you know, for everyone in the country. And that, that is just, that is a, a fact of the way, of the way things have stood and in many ways still, and in too, way too many ways still stand in this country. And so it's fair to question that. Do I, does, does this flag, do these, does this, these stars and stripes and, and any sort of iconography that mimics that as it relates to Captain America, is this a symbol that really stands for me? And I think that is a very fair question. And it's something that Sam asked in the comic books. And I feel like that's going to play a part in this series as well. And I, I think US agent John Walker goes right up against that because it seems like to me like he's going to be called Captain America in this as opposed to US agent. I'm not really sure. But and I think there have been, you know, plenty of speculation or whatever else that maybe he's just going to be Captain America, not U.S. agent. So it's not just me thinking that. But I, I kind of wonder if 
you know, that, but that might be part of what drives Sam Wilson to ultimately become Captain America is maybe it's true that this American iconography doesn't stand, doesn't really, hasn't really stood for the things that many of us want to believe that it stands for, or it, that those ideals haven't been upheld across the board for every American or for every person around the world. Maybe it hasn't done that, but maybe it should. And maybe it's it's about somebody taking hold of that symbol and setting the new model and setting the real example for what it should be and, and what we hope that it would mean. And I think that's the power that Sam Wilson has. And I think that's kind of what Bucky is talking about a little bit. When people, people need something to get behind and they need a symbol. And there has been value in rallying behind some of these symbols that we have around the stars and stripes. And it's, but it's about how do we make that, how do we make that apply for everyone? Well, that's where, that's where Sam Wilson comes into play is by taking charge, taking control of that symbol um, in a way that everyone, everyone finally has a chance to see themselves uh, as being part of it. And, and I think that's going to be something that thematically is really strong in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And, and I feel like this trailer is hinting at that. Another character beat um, for this uh, was actually for me, it was more Zemo than Bucky. Mm-hmm. I know I, exactly where you're going. I, I, I don't really this, know. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't really know where Bucky stands in this. I, his role in this trailer is, is almost more, you know, pushing Sam. I, I don't think this trailer mm-hmm. gives us, uh, and it doesn't need to, by the way, but I, yeah. I, I certainly hope and expect that the show will tell us more about the journey that Bucky is on and what he's going to want going forward. But Zemo, he's not in it very much. But what they showed us, I think, says a lot. We mm-hmm. they repeated one shot from the Super Bowl spot, which is like that's Zemo, and we could tell from the other uh, from the Super Bowl spot that he's talking to Bucky. It's Bucky who seems to be the one dropping those bullets right in front of Zemo's face. But it's the shot from behind of Zemo standing at what what looks like a memorial in Sokovia, and this to me is there's nothing in this trailer that points to Zemo being an antagonist. Hmm. He might be antagonistic in some ways based on his relationship with Mm -hmm. Sam and Bucky, but clearly he's on some other path that points maybe toward, I don't know about ultimate redemption because he's still done a lot of bad stuff, but points to doing the best he can going forward and maybe trying to do something right. Because I, I think that is Zemo kind of reconciling what he did versus why he did it. And while he may have had valid reasons for being... Uh, for being upset, for being angry, and for lashing out against the Avengers, he spilled a lot of blood in order to get, and he, and he spilled a lot of blood of irresponsible parties in order to get his revenge on the Avengers. And so I, I feel like there's going to be a part of Zemo where he's going to have to reconcile that and move forward. And if we've taught, if we go all the way back into all the speculation we've had, and many have had Thunderbolts and Zemo being part of it, Citizen V, whatever. At some, there has to be that journey to get him to that step, and it looks like Falcon and Winter Soldier is giving us that emotional journey for him. There's a lot to unpack, and so I'm going to cover John Walker first. And right now, uh, I'm, I'm holding. I've posted a picture on Twitter. It's um, it's actually funny enough. It's going to be, going to be reprinted uh, as an epic collection here very very soon of Captain America. Hmm, wonder the why. Cap- 
Yeah, exactly. Captain America, the Captain storyline by Mark Grunewald um, back in the 80s. And this is the first appearance, uh, covers the first appearance of John Walker. And I've talked about this this run, or <laughs> Grunewald's run is forever. But no, this, this particular storyline, I should say, um, a lot. And it's one of my favorites. Is it like Winter Soldier good? No. But it's still, for of its time... It's still a good story, and there's some great, great moments in here. Actually, from, some, honestly, some of my favorite Captain America moments ever. John Walker is in here, and I don't want to spoil everything because it does a lot of go. It go honestly, the, the show will cover a lot what's in this book, and I honestly think that this this the Captain storyline is basically what they're they're using a lot of this to adapt into their show, along with obviously the current Sam Wilson, Captain America stuff and all that. So just like a Kevin Feige has done, he's taken so many different elements of different series and molding them together to tell a really great, um, cinematic. And yes, I'll say cinematic here because the show looks so freaking good. Um, tale and John Walker, I will say this. I don't think this is that much of a spoiler. John Walker was Captain America. So when Steve stepped down at one point, um, the government gave him the costume. So he never went by U.S. agent. That was something he, that, that was given to him later on when he adapted um, the uh, the Captain costume, if you will. So I'll just leave it there. It, this is a great story because it basically has Captain America take on uh, John Walker as Captain America, and it's a really, really great story. And you'll see if you're if you kind of know what John Walker eventually or that costume he wears in the comics is classic black and red costume. You'll see where that comes from in the storyline. But uh, but yeah, John Walker was Captain America for the U.S. government for a a good portion of time, and he had a sidekick and um and everything. So and it was a big deal because. Mark Grunewald did a great job of basically explaining what we're talking about, the absence of the spirit of Steve Rogers, Captain America. And that's what drives Captain America. You can put anyone in that costume, but you have to embody the spirit, not just of the name, because Captain America is just a name. It's a, it's a superhero. The spirit of Steve Rogers, like the weight of Steve Rogers, the legacy of Steve Rogers, that is the character. And that's what Captain America is, essentially. It's not the other way around. Captain America is Steve Rogers. And so that this is essentially a very, you know, wham, bam, shoot him up uh, 80s comic book filled telling that tale. And it's a great tale. And so seeing John Walker as Captain America, there's it's going to I'm fascinated what people are going to say, because they're going to because it very much is going to be the corporate superhero. That's what j this mm -hmm. John Walker is going to be. And he's going to be the representation of, of a tool, essentially. I mean, I say that in both the, the funny and the also the literal way. Like, he's going to be a puppet for the U.S. government. And he's going to go up against this, this threat. And he's probably going to get the crap beat out of him, to be quite honest. And so... Um, just leave it there. And so there's a lot of stuff there to unpack and there's going to, so to me, I think that there's going to, they're going to go brutal places here. And, um, I think they're going to show what some, you know, what being a superhero really means. And I think John Walker is just going to be, you know, he, they think they can put anyone in that costume. And I think the John Walker character, you'll, he'll be developed and he'll, he'll definitely stick around. He's, he, he's a main character in the, in the Avengers mythos after he's introduced. So, I definitely think there's going to be character development with him. I'm excited to see that transition. So going back to Baron Zemo, how does it all play together? If knowing, 
because it got leaked out what the and I don't want to say it here because I'm not into that because I kind of found out I was like well, who are these characters with the with the hand oh okay mm-hmm. makes a little more sense I'm not super familiar with the, with the antagonist but I will say with Baron Zemo being included there's going to be an aspect where they're going to need him and with Bucky having the doing those shells right in front of him and and how he's staring at it I can already you already know what Bucky's trying to do at that point so they, so, so obviously they need him for something mm-hmm. and what that is but again Baron Zemo may be leader of the Thunderbolts and he may do some things for you know to help people but let's not forget this guy is still messed up and he will do what he wants to do or try to do what he wants manipulate what he wants to do in the end so this is where I think we're going to get the idea of, yeah, Baron Zemo, we think he, he turned a corner, but oh, wait, maybe he didn't. So I think there's a lot of intrigue there with the whole idea of the Thunderbolts and what you could do with him. And this could just be laying the groundwork of he's, yeah, he, he might help out here or there, but really, like, there's something else going on. And we can talk about this later on with other series that they'll reveal, but... I think there's something even more at play that besides Thunderbolts. Thunderbolts is definitely coming, but I think that's a means to a different end with a, an eventual future story. So, um, but yeah, I think this is really exciting. Um, like I said, my favorite aspect of this is going to be the transition of this new Captain America that they're, that the world's going to be introducing and America is going to be like, we have a new superhero, everyone. He's really hip and cool. You know? right. And then they're going to have that change and then what that means for all these characters. And I'm really excited to see that represented for the mainstream audience. So I think it's going to be really a, a lot of fun. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, the role of John Walker as Captain America, US agent, call him whatever you will. But I think that's kind of the role in that is that it plays into that theme of, you know, John Walker is going to be the one who's handpicked by the powers that be to be Captain America. But he's not. He's got colors and he's got images and imagery around him that seem to represent certain things, but there's no real genuine meaning behind it. Um, but because it has, because it has some of the symbolism with which people associate those ideas, then he almost gets credit for it. But that's not what it is. It's not about the image. It's about you know the symbolism. It's not symbolism isn't about imagery. It's about the meaning behind the imagery. And I, and I think that's what this is really going to play into is you have this idea that, and I think that's part of what makes it necessary for Sam Wilson to ultimately decide to become Captain America, is that if you don't define that symbol, someone else will. And you don't want somebody who obviously doesn't stand for it, and or somebody who's handpicked by others who don't actually stand for any real positive meaning behind that imagery, then you have to take it, you have to take charge of it and be the example that shows what it means, what it's what it really is supposed to mean. And so I think thematically, like this all lays out perfectly for, uh, you know, for Sam Wilson. And I'm still just waiting to see what all it's going to mean for Bucky. But if Bucky is part of that turning point for Zemo, as you mentioned, like, is this, is he dropping the bullets to show to kind of symbolize what Zemo's done the destruction behind Zemo or maybe the destruction that both of them have caused throughout their lives and maybe point to this need to turn a corner because you and I've talked about before I could see Bucky being on that Thunderbolt squad with Zemo and so 
Uh, you know, it seems like there's a lot of things that uh, there's definitely a lot of great, I think, rich emotional things a- at play here. And they, uh, you mentioned the antagonist with the red hands on their faces. I don't at that point, I'm not sure what's spoiler versus what's out there of of what they're called. I don't really think it's that much of a spoiler because you don't necessarily know, uh, you know, who they are in the comic books or what they're kind of based on. But we'll just leave it out for now. It's not an important detail that I feel like we have to dive into. Uh, but you do spot who's putting on one of those masks. And that's Aaron Kellyman, Enfys Nest from Solo, a Star Wars story. So um, which I mean, people had already known that she was going to be in the series. So. Um, I thought she was good in Solo, so I'm happy to see it confirmed in this trailer, obviously, that she's part of this series. And yeah, this was just a a really, really great trailer for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier that points to a lot of fascinating ideas. I mean, one thing that we haven't really uh, that we haven't really touched on is, you know, some of the some of the places that we see. I mean, there's definitely a spot here that appears to be uh, Madripoor, which is a South Asian island in Marvel Comics, and it's got Hydra ties. It's also got mutant ties. I think it actually was part of the Fox deal. I don't think that was something they were allowed to have in the MCU, or maybe it was one of those shared things. I'm not sure. Um, But all those things are irrelevant uh, now as it relates to Fox. So everything's on the table. And I do like the idea of it being kind of a Fox thing because it just shows how quickly Marvel is starting to integrate some of these ideas. Now, they're not going to overhaul everything because there was a lot of stuff that was laid out before they knew about the Fox deal, but where there are places with things that are still in development that they can make little tweaks here and there and little adjustments because, hey, now we have access to this thing, might as well use it. Um, And I like that they're doing that. And it certainly allows them a lot of opportunities to build on various ideas and certain things that are part of really more of the Fox X-Men world or Fantastic Four and stuff like that that's now on the table for them in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I just, I'm glad that that stuff's going into it. But then just the bigger thing for me, though, with this trailer is, you know, emotionally, I feel like this series is really going to resonate, particularly for characters like Sam Wilson and Zemo. And I'm sure it's going to be there for Bucky as well. But then just going back to what I started with, just the scale of this, I... I can't say enough about how impressed I was by just how big and polished and beautiful this entire thing looks. Like, I, I'm just, I'm really, really impressed by it. And I know that this was something, I mean, we heard everything, uh, various reports of budgets of like $25 million an episode for something like the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Well, whatever that budget was, it's all up there on the screen for us to see and just enjoy. And... I'm really glad that that Disney and Marvel are putting this level of investment into these series because you could say that they're just you could be cynical about it and say they're just taking the popularity of the MCU and they're leaning on that for the sake of the streaming platform when direct to consumer is clearly the biggest initiative and biggest priority for Disney right now as it is for just about every company producing entertainment. So I I get that, but you can. It's easier to set that cynicism aside when you see they're genuinely making the effort that they're saying. Obviously, yeah, we know why these series exist as a business function. We get that, but there is a reputation. There is an expectation. There's a standard that has been set for by the MCU, by Marvel Studios, and the audience expects that, and they're going to deliver on those expectations. They are going to continue to adhere to those standards, if not elevate those standards for the audience. Because they, mm-hmm. that's, the, I think that's the level of respect that 
Marvel Studios has for its audience to say, if we're going to do stuff that is for real, tying into the movies, and, and it's going to be really part of a meaningful part of the MCU proper, just like the movies are, then there is a standard it has to live up to. There's a bar that we have been set that we have to clear with the and keep raising with these series, just like we would with the movies. So I, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know. I, I know I've mentioned, talked about that a, a little bit now with WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier. But Paul, in your eyes, I mean, are, are you seeing kind of like I am the, a similar mm-hmm. just level of quality um, in these trailers compared to, you know, what we've come to expect from the movies? I, I totally have. I think you nailed it with WandaVision. WandaVision kind of it definitely fits the aesthetic of TV a little bit better just because of the setting, because you don't have I mean, the quality, the actual film quality, it feels cinematic like that, that, that doesn't change. But the actual epic and the, the scale still seems a little bit smaller. And again, that does, that's not a bad thing. I mean, there's plenty. Of, an example would be like HBO shows, right? HBO shows always, that, barring Game of Thrones, they always look like they, they look like you could be on a screen. The way that the, the type of film or digital cameras they use, or you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like it, it looks legit, like it could be in a theater. Whereas, you know, the scale, I mean, is small. And that's what WandaVision kind of seems like. But when you look at Falcon and Winter Soldier, it's, a, it's almost the exact opposite, where the scale is so much bigger. And you're like, holy crap, like they're, the the wide shots the hel- or the, the aerial shots and things like that, it feels like a actual film. And all the action things that we're getting and we're seeing, it's all legit. And I think there's so much that we can go off of as far as, man, like they are not sparing any expense with this. They want to make sure that you're not thinking this this looks like a TV show. It almost feels like they're not not overcompensating. But they're going out of their way to really make it feel like you're watching it in the theater. As a, and again, I think not, it's, they're not going to be able to replicate the theater, but at least the look of it. And I think they're gone. They've gone out of their way to give that impression, even though it's only going to be. If we look at again, Mandalorian is the only thing I can go off at this point. But it's a 35. You know, it's going to have a varying run runtime, and I think that's what's so interesting of what I think. Uh, the Disney Plus has given us so far, and again, assuming that's what they're doing here with with WandaVision, is that, and these other TV so, shows, that they're not going to be beholden to a runtime. They're going to be beholden to whatever the episode needs, whether it be 45 minutes or budget, if you will, 45 minutes or you know a half hour or you know, God forbid, less than 30 minutes. So there's a lot of different things that they're going to be uh taken into account but at least they've gone out of their way to make it look as realistic as for cinema uh cinematic feel that doesn't pull you out and say and this looks like a tv show so i I feel that with the cinematic feel that we're getting it's shown all over these trailers and it's really really exciting that we're, we're we're getting that so yeah this is Again, this is something that I think they're, they're working hard to destroy that idea of we have to we have to do something different. You know, it's this it's it's what we're getting is going to be as, as close as we can get. And I think that's so important. And they, they're killing it so far. And I can't wait to see the final product. Nor can I. And uh, I, I think it's going to be. It feels like a long way off between now and March 19th. But we have WandaVision to help pass the time. So that's the other thing that's so great about this long form series format is that yeah, this lasts for several weeks uh, when we get one of these series. And so WandaVision will take us almost right into 
the Falcon Winter Soldier, which will then take us almost right into Loki in May of uh, in May of next year. But before Loki can follow the Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+, Plus, it has to follow the Falcon and the Winter Soldier on MCU Fan Show and in our coverage of Disney Investor Day. So our next episode will feature the discussion that Paul and I had about the first look at Loki. I'll go ahead and spoil my thoughts, but not Paul's. I was a fan. I was on board, which I'm sure comes as an absolute shock to each and every one of you. But our coverage will go beyond that episode talking about the Loki trailer, We will be talking about all the different series announcements, the What If trailer, Miss Marvel. We are going to cover everything that they revealed at Disney Investor Day 2020. So you have three episodes coming this week. This is the second of those three episodes. And then there will be even more episodes next week. And if you want to hear even more stuff from MCU Fan Show or even more stuff from me just talking about other things that a lot of us like, you can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber. That's S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R. We have a Marvelous Moments series where I break down some of the biggest, most iconic moments in MCU history. And even if they're not necessarily the most iconic moments, if they stand out for some other reason, I will call them out and I will go ahead and explain why on that series. We also have Fan Show Plus, which goes off topic outside of the MCU, but within the realm of things we're interested in right now, Fan Show Plus is the home of episode-by-episode reviews of the second season of The Mandalorian, with the final episode of that second season due later this week, and there will be an episode of Fan Show Plus that will cover it with a spoiler review. We also have a Patreon-exclusive Discord community where we are talking Marvel all the time, and we have really fun events. We also have other community events, including a monthly MCU fan trivia. Robert is the reigning champion after November. We'll see what happens later on this month for the December crown. And just one more note on the Patreon and the exclusive audio is that if you do sign up, you get an exclusive RSS link that you can put into a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts so you can get all of the content that we make. It's all in one feed, the MCU Fan Show, Fan Show Plus, Marvelous Moments, any other exclusive podcast that we do. It's all going to be in one feed in addition to the main podcast like the one that you're hearing now. And then also make sure that you're following the show in the places you can. That's at MCU Fan Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also keep up with us individually. Paul is at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug on Twitter and Instagram, and I am at Mr. Sean Gerber on Twitter and Instagram. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening to MCU Fan Show. We'll see you next time. 